Merry Christmas, everyone. My name's Mark, one of the pastors here, and if you're a guest from out of town, wow, you made it, and we are glad that you're here. We're honored, whether in town or out of town, any guests here, we're honored that you would celebrate Christmas with us here at Door Creek. Door Creek is a Christ-centered church for all people. Translated means wherever you're at in your own spiritual journey, this is a good place for you. We're really glad that you're here And for all of you who participate in the Christmas offering, thanks for making a difference in children's lives. From the north side of Madison, our seven partner schools around Dane County, and even a remote village and community in Rwanda with 30,000 people and the 70 churches that we partner there in Rwanda, you're making a difference. Thank you so much. So this is the time of the year where we're binging on all kinds of things, too much cookies and food. But some of us, too much Hallmark. Some of us are going to binge too much on, you know, football bowl games and NFL games. But pretty soon here, we're going to start reading and we're going to start seeing programs that highlight the year in review. 2022, the year in review. So when I ask you, how was your year? If you could put it in a word, would you say it was a good year or a bad year? Was it a great year? Was it an awful year? Was it okay? Was it difficult? Now, the truth is, you're not even thinking about all that took place in your life, let alone the world. So let me just do some highlights for you. When it comes to a difficult year, my heart first goes out to uh, the Packer fans. (laughs) Now, as a Bear fan, welcome to our misery, decades long. I know exactly how you feel. Um, More seriously, 10 months ago, this very day, Russia invaded Ukraine, bombs going off in Kurzan even today, thousands killed, 3 million refugees, can't even imagine the horrors for the Ukrainian people. In September, a few months back, uh, Hurricane Ian devastates South Florida, right? Some $65 billion of damage and a lot of people's lives forever changed. It's been a hard year economically, right? 40-year high inflation rate, and that's around the globe. And then interest rates going up, and we're just stunned every time we try to pull off a box of Wheaties and go, how much for a box of cereal? But then it's been a good year. Did you hear the pandemic has officially been declared as over? Did you hear that? Our president back in September. Woohoo! Did you hear President Zelensky Wednesday this week before a joint session of Congress say, I know you expected us to crumble and fall within a week, but he said what? Ukraine didn't fall. Ukraine is alive and kicking. And not merely as important, back to you Packer fans, you beat the Bears twice, so it's kind of a good year. All right, so let's talk about difficult years. It really doesn't have much to do with any of the things that I just mentioned. It rarely has anything to do with a national or international event unless your life intersected with that event. A difficult year is all about our health, our declining health, the diagnosis, the diagnosis health of someone that we love, the loss of a loved one. That's the stuff of difficult years. It's the stuff of financial pressure, joblessness, infertility struggles, struggles at work, struggles at school. It's about relationships that are so important to us that are crumbling before our very eyes. That's the stuff of a difficult year. 
And some of you are still in the thick of it. And the Christmas message announced 2,000 years ago brings good news to you. It causes great joy that is good news for all people. It's good news for you. But then if you've had a good year, because there's been improved health, you've weathered the economy, there's been a promotion at work, right? You're doing better at school, relationships are great, and all the rest. I have good news for you. The Christmas message announced 2,000 years ago was not, I announced to you happiness, which is great. It's real. It's wonderful. The problem with happiness is it's tied to circumstances and events, and so they don't last. Let me give you an example. Look at this picture. Is this guy happy or sad? Is he having a good year or a bad year? If you don't know who this is, this is Lionel Messi, the GOAT, probably, greatest of all time, soccer player. At least that's the argument right now. He, for his country, for the first time since 1986, has secured the coveted World Cup. He's holding it there in his right hand. This is unbelievable. Nothing will ever erase that memory as long as he's in good mind, right? He is going to be happy. He has got not only the World Cup, but twice now, he's come away with the most valuable player, which is the golden ball. And so I don't care where he goes in Argentina and many other places in the world. He goes to the restaurant and they'll say, Mr. Messi, it's on the house. Whatever you want to eat. But here's the deal. Winning the World Cup, having two golden balls on his mantle, am I right, does not guarantee that next year's a great year. It's just not how it works. And the crazy thing is, we could look back on 2022 and say, it was a good year. In fact, you might say it was a great year, but as you reflect further, you go, huh, that's true. But there's still a restlessness in my life. I'm wondering if there's something more. I'm discontent, maybe even anxious. And the Christmas message promises you Good news of great joy that's not tied to a trophy, a title, amount of money. It's all about a relationship with the God who loves you so much that he sent the good news in flesh, his son, Jesus Christ. So we want to look at this, the first Christmas story and the message of the angels. And man, just for any of you who are into marketing, into advertising, maybe you're an event planner, just catch up because what we tend to do if you've heard the story before is we hallmark it. We get it all full of sentimentality and we lose the rawness of it, the mystery of it, the upside downness of it as you think about what is happening here, taking it at face value. Just wherever you're at in your faith journey, just take it at face value that God is sending his son into this world. Introducing him as the promised king who's going to set up a kingdom that lasts forever and then catch up with how it unfolds. Verse 9 of chapter 2 of Luke's gospel, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, 
the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So we catch up, and it's off to a good start. Okay, God is sending one of his angelic, supernatural beings. This is not Clarence. Hello. From It's a Wonderful Life. This tired old man trying to earn his wings. This isn't some kind of pudgy cherub sitting on a cloud, strumming a harp, looking kind of bored. This is a magnificent, terrifying creature created by God who was created to do the will of God and share the word of God. And he shows up and these grown men's knees are buckling. They're terrified. Literally, they feared, it says in the original, with mega fear. They're shaking in their boots. And we note who the message went to, not how we would do it. I mean, we're thinking Jerusalem, the capital. We're thinking, let's get right to King Herod. Let's get to the high priest. Let's get to the rich, to the wealthy, the influential, the educated. Let's get to the upper crust and through them, let the trickle down get to all the peasants. But the message goes to shepherds. And the problem is, we're still thinking about the cute kids in the video with the turban running around the hills of Door Creek Church. And you just don't understand who shepherds were in that day. There, there were, the shepherds were of such bad character and reputation that in the Jewish law recorded in the Talmud, they were not allowed to give testimony in the court of law. So suspicious was their character. And God said, just the right people. These ordinary guys working the third shift living outside in the hills, almost like a homeless encampment. I'm going to bring it to them. And if we're in marketing, we're scratching our head going, that doesn't make any sense. What in the world? God knew exactly what he was doing. When he announced that this was good news for you, the shepherds, he was letting us know, us too, us too. And one of the things that we do is we keep believing the lies the lies that people have told us about ourselves, the lies that we start telling ourselves, the lies that somebody else, that society is telling about us, and we think we don't measure up. And God is saying in that Christmas message, oh, yes, you do. This message is good news for your great joy, for the shepherds, for you. So what do the angels say? Don't be afraid. God loves you. He's in control. He's using the governor's census to move Joseph and Mary into the exact place where they needed to be to fulfill the scripture and the prophecy that eight centuries before, a guy named Micah predicted that the Messiah, the promised anointed king, would be born not in Jerusalem, but in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. I'm in control. I love you. I know where you are. Don't be afraid. And some of you right now, this Christmas, that's the dominant emotion going on in your life. I don't know if it's that health issue, diagnosis, the relationship, the finances. I, I don't know if it's the friend circle that's just blown. I don't know what it is. But you're gripped with fear, and I get it. 20 years ago, this very month, my wife goes in for a mammogram. The doctors discover a tumor 
they find out that the tumor is spread, the cancer is spread into her lymph nodes. And the week before Christmas, we hear her surgeon say, I don't expect you to get through this. We have five kids from the age of five to 17. And I had a fear that I've never experienced in my life that I can only describe as suffocating. And I can't even begin to tell you what Lori's journey was like. Only those of you who've heard that diagnosis over your life understands that. But it was a Christmas card with this very verse reminding her of God's word. Lori, fear not. I have good news for you of great joy, which is for all people. For today in the city of David, a Savior has been born, Christ the Lord. And so she didn't know how it was going to end. She's in the middle of the storm, and God brought a calm to her heart as she took God at his word. You need to do that with all that you fear today. So don't be afraid. I bring you good news that causes great joy, which is for all the people. So what's the good news that causes great joy that's different than happiness that's going to last? I want to know. Verse 11, today in the town of David, David is this king of Israel, the second king of Israel, the great king of Israel, whose heart was described as a heart after God's. Today in the town of David, even Bethlehem, is the town of David. A savior has been born to you, he's saying to the shepherds. He is Messiah. What does Messiah mean? The anointed one. It's the Hebrew equivalent to Christ, the anointed one. Kings were anointed. Priests were anointed. Jesus is this anointed, promised king and priest, right? And he is the Lord. Every time Luke has used the word Lord in in chapters one and two, he's referencing God, He's saying, Jesus is like no other. He is God's son. He is Mary's son. He is the God man. There is no other religious figure at the heart of any religion that has this fully human, fully divine. Jesus Christ, the Savior. Gabriel said to Joseph, he will save his people from their sin. He is the promised king. So, anticipating their question, where, where is this baby? Where do we find this one who is the hope of the world? Or how can we know this is true? Like, are we just dreaming this? Like, how do you make sense out of heaven opening up and seeing an angel and hearing this? I, I need a sign. The angel says, I, I'm gonna give you a sign. And this is where we put our marketing hat and we know how it goes. All right, this is how it should have gone. All right, here's the sign. I want you to go to Jerusalem. I want you to listen for the fanfare of trumpets because there's a parade going down. It's leading to the palace. You get in the train of that parade. You get to the palace. Look up to the balcony. Wait for the king and the queen holding the baby boy wrapped in beautiful purple silk to come out, holding it up in the morning sun to the cheers of the crowd below. That one. Now, you'll, you'll find him in that scrubby little town at the bottom of the hill here, Bethlehem. He'll be wrapped in cloth, like ripping these rags that we do and binding his hands and his feet. Now, that wouldn't have been that unusual to find, a baby wrapped in cloth. Pretty much any 
average wealthy person, medium income. They could have done that. The poor could have done that. There could have been a lot of babies wrapped in cloths. A lion in a manger? In a feeding trough? Now that would be unique indeed. And so the sign is the baby. The sign is Jesus. The good news is Jesus. The, the, the great joy is in Jesus. The peace on earth is in Jesus. He's the proof that God loves us. He's the proof that God's word is true. And how remarkably humble God's coming for you and me. A helpless baby. A helpless baby. So there's been baby news in the MyFair family. Two days ago, our daughter, Laura, gave birth to little Charlie. Here's a picture of him. And he's wrapped up, isn't he? Not in cloths, but in a blanket tight. And I am obviously not down in North Carolina, so I've been, you know, it's been FaceTime, and it's been pictures. And what I'm noticing in real time on FaceTime is what we always do with the newborn baby. We're super what? Careful. It's fragile vulnerable. Charlie can't do anything for himself right now. He's got a good mama and a good dad and a good big brother, Henry, who are there to help him. And God sends his son, who is God, who was with God at creation, John 1 tells us, and all of the world came into existence through Jesus, and Jesus shows up on earth, not riding a stallion, but he comes as a newborn, helpless babe, born into poverty, living a life of obscurity. He was rejected from the day he was born, hunted down by King Herod, fleeing to Egypt, and he dies, humiliation on the cross, rejected injustice for you and for me. Not how we would have drawn it up. So before the angels could fact check the message, they're surrounded by a great company of angels. In my mind, it's a Camp Randall crowd of angels. Can you imagine that? 80,000 angels up in the heavens singing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And the angels give us the correct response to the good news. It's like, worship God, honor God, thank God, praise him that he in his grace and his marvelous wisdom would send his own son down here to earth for us. The shepherds, verse 20, having shared the message and people are amazed about it, they too return praising, glorifying God, the correct response. And as you slow down and read it, you get to this kind of apparent contradiction what did the angels say? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news that causes great joy, which is for who? All the people. And then the angels are glorifying God in the highest heaven, and they say, peace on earth to those, not to all, to those on whom God's favor rests. And we're going, I thought it was good news for all people. It seems like it's only good news for those on whom God's favor rests. How does this work? Well, the offer is for all people. What you do with the offer, what you do with Jesus, has everything to do with, are you under God's favor? Or are you still thinking you don't need Jesus? 
that you've got this covered, that you've got this figured out, that you can actually be your own savior. So that's the question. Is God's favor resting on you? It's not like a mystery, how do I know? Was it a good year? Oh, I've got God's favor. No, no, that's not how it works. Jesus always had the Father's favor. He always did to the very end when he did his will and went to the cross. But we got to catch up with a person who did everything the Father asked him to do, who always had the favor of the Father, ended up on a cross. So you can't work it out and go, oh, I've got God's favor because it's a good year. And that's how it works. I have God's favor because I've received the gift. I believe the good news. I have Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He's not in a corner of my life. He's not a category in my life. I see him for who he is, the son of God, that he's the promised king, and I'm submitting to him in every part of my life to him. And with that, I have great joy, and I have lasting peace, and I have hope for a better day when the king comes back and makes all things right. So where are you at? Who do you think Jesus is? You're hearing the message, and the Bible says in hearing it, God uses the hearing to start activating trust. And if that's where you are, trusting that Jesus is the Son of God who lived the life that you couldn't live perfectly, always loving God, always loving his neighbor, that he died the life, the death that you and I deserved in our place, that he conquered death for us, that he rose from the dead, that he's coming back to make all things new. Oh, hear the news, the good news. Believe the good news. I'm gonna give you an opportunity to do that just now, to place your trust in Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna pray something that goes just like that. Jesus, I need you. Your joy, your peace, your forgiveness. I believe you're the son of God who came for me, lived for me, died and conquered death for me. This Christmas, I'm giving you control, not a corner, but control of my life. Or maybe for you, it's I'm giving back control because you've moved away from God. I'm giving you control of my life with the desire to follow you. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for getting stuck in sentiment, in the logic of our own minds, so that we just cannot catch up with the mystery and the wonder and the glory and the eternal love that you have for this world. We believe that you love the world so much that you gave us your best, the indescribable gift of your Son. And I would pray, Father, that those who know you would be like the angels and the shepherds giving you praise and telling others about it. And I pray right now as you are granting faith to those praying right now that you would give them the first taste of great joy and deep peace in the midst of all that's hard in their life. So pray with me silently. Jesus, I need you. Your joy your peace, 
your forgiveness. I believe that you are the son of God who came for me, lived for me, died and conquered death for me. This Christmas, I'm giving you control of my life with the desire to follow you. Amen. So if you just prayed that prayer, man, this is a happy Christmas for you. It's the best day of your life. Doesn't promise that everything's going to be easy. Teshidra said that, right? Doesn't mean everything's going to be easy, but it means that whatever you go through, God is with you. And so we'd love to help you grow in that new relationship with God through faith in Christ. We've got a little booklet. It's called What Now? And it's a guide to first steps as a Christ follower. And if you text to this number 608, I think it's 2923456, pretty tough to remember. 2923456, we will just get that to you electronically on your phone, or you can grab one of these at one of the tables on your way out or at the Welcome Center as well. We'd love to know about your decision today to follow Christ and to encourage you and help you. So God bless you.